This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. You're listening to The Assist with Trevor Hart. All right, welcome back. So it's been an interesting week in basketball because you know NBA playoffs are getting started. It's always a good time. We got Jason Tatum had that game winner in game one against the Nets. Um, Joel Embiid had a game winner last night for the Sixers. And, uh, and yet all of that still flies under the radar as Jay Wright has just announced he's retiring. And I don't, I don't get it, man. For one, I don't know if just whatever I say is just immediately cursed because a couple weeks ago I said Jay Wright is now the best coach of college basketball. There's no other way around it. And then he retires, and I'm just really worried that uh, maybe I don't know if it's something with me or. If this has been in the works for a while, I just don't know. But yeah, Jay Wright is officially retired. And and I just had it pulled up. Uh, Kyle Neptune from Fordham is going to take over for him as he was just at Fordham for, I think, a year. He was at Villanova the past 10 years. So, yeah, Jay Wright... One heck of a career. Retiring at 60 years old, which at one point I'm surprised that he is 60. But also when you think about it, I'm like, that's kind of young for a coach to retire like that. I mean, we just saw what Coach K went through. And I mean, he's he's older. That's just... And I feel like it was just when I don't want to say casual basketball fans, but it, I think it was just where like Jay Wright was getting respect from everyone in basketball. Like people have been respecting him for a while, but I think after this year, people were like, yeah, yeah, he's probably should probably start looking at him more, look at Villanova more and which, for those people, they've been missing out, especially over the past couple of years. They've just been consistently good. And um, there's a tweet from John Rothstein. He says, the final nine years of Jay Wright's career, Villanova, two national titles, three final fours, seven Big East regular season titles, five Big East tournament titles, 22 and six in tournament games, in NCAA tournament games, 263 and 45 overall record, 83.2 winning percentage, 130 and 31 in Big East regular season games, that is a resume. And he was just put into the Hall of Fame. It was over this past year, wasn't it? I can confirm that. But we're going to go ahead and look at Jay Wright's overall career. So, six-time Big East Coach of the Year, 2005 in 2006, NABC Coach of the Year. 2005-2006, CBS Coach of the Year. Two-time Naismith Coach of the Year. NCAA Champion 2016-2018. 
Ten-time regular season conference champion, seven-time tournament champion, 122-85 at Hofstra, 520-197 at Villanova for total career of 642-282 and for a 695 win-loss percentage. 18 years, 34-16 in the NCAA tournament, four Final Fours, two championships. A legendary career that he'll be looked on, like I said, like everyone's just starting to get on the bandwagon of like, wow, Jay Wright's a really good coach. And, man, it's just one of those things where you wonder why. That's like, that was like my first thing was like, why? Because it seems like a weird time to retire after a Final Four, and I, I get it, Coach K and his career in Final Four, but this was announced well in advance. And one of my first thoughts was, oh, maybe an NBA job is calling. I bet he's been getting offers from the NBA for years. Maybe this is the one he takes. And as soon as I start thinking, I see a tweet from Adrian Wojnarowski saying, no, he's retiring. Like, he's not going to the NBA. And I'm like, you're like, really? And then he comes out saying he's still going to be with Villanova. I, I think that if I read that right, he's still going to be like involved with Villanova. So again, it just makes you ask, why now? Because it really doesn't make sense to me how in the end of a season like that, where you probably, sure, you did lose by quite a bit in the Final Four, but, I mean, you had injuries. You have that going. And it just, it's just over. Now, Villanova, they'll continue to be pretty good. I'm interested to see what the next coach has coming in in terms of recruiting. I think Fordham, they had a pretty good year when he was there. And, yeah, it just really makes me think, why? Because that's one of those things when a coach steps down after significant success, it's really why. Like, I think that's how it was with Phil Jackson when he was saying he was going to leave the Bulls. People were like, why? Well, the reason was that, you know, the front office, they didn't really want him there anymore. Like, okay, that makes sense. But then when he left the Lakers that first time, People were actually like, okay, I, I really don't get it. Why? Because, I mean, at that point, they had lost to the Pistons in the finals. And I think he just said he couldn't deal with the drama anymore. Like, it was all the players that was just, he couldn't take it anymore. But with Jay Wright, it really does make you go, okay, I don't know why you're retiring now. You're 60 years old. Granted, I get like the, Retire the regular retirement age of 65, and he's making more than enough money. But why? Is this, is this, I don't get it. If he's not going anywhere else, I don't know why he, he's retiring from coaching. I don't know. Something, I know someone else is asking those questions, and they're probably trying to dig and find those answers. Will we ever get them? Have no idea. 
But um, I don't want to say there's anything shady going on, but it's just the circumstances. Why now? You've been to a Final Four. You went, you've been to your four Final Four. You won a championship within the past four years. In the last decade, you've won two championships. Just, I don't get it. Yeah, he had a Final Four. And so the first time he made the Final Four was 2008, 2009. Then he, in 2016 when they won it, 2018 when they won it, and then this year where they lost to Kansas. My main question is why. That's just, I know I've said it a million times, you're probably tired of hearing it, but something had to have happened to where maybe it's to retain their new coach that they had already lost. If Neptune is that um, important to the culture of Villanova that you need him, sure. But at that point, you could name him associate head coach. If you're trying to retain him, you could just let him know that he's next in line. But I just don't, I don't see a reasoning behind this retirement to where something that's been hidden isn't shown out. Like, is there a sickness? I don't know. I wouldn't see a reason why, but we've seen stuff like this where people will just stop doing stuff out of nowhere. And then a few years later, it'll be like, oh yeah, he was pretty sick. And I don't know anything about recruiting violations. I mean, it's the NCAA. People are gonna people are gonna violate recruiting. I mean, there's recruit there's recruiting violations all the time. Kansas just won a national championship. They're probably gonna get dinged for recruiting violations. It's just the way college basketball is. If you really wanna win, you gotta go Kind of go out of your way sometimes to really make it happen. Is that right? No. But should the NCAA maybe do more about it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of the NCAA. I can tell you that. I mean, if you listen to the Storm Center podcast, I mean, we're always critical of the NCAA because it could, it's, it's just, it could just be done better. There's just no other way around it. It can just be done better. But yeah, Jay Wright officially retired. That's one heck of a career. And um, I hope nothing comes out of this more than it's just that you want to be a family, but I don't know, just the circumstances and when he retired, it just doesn't seem. Doesn't really seem like it's uh, going to be nothing. And uh, with that, um, I want to do more um, on this date because yesterday, uh, April 20th, all over Twitter I was seeing that that was the game Michael Jordan scored 63 points, really setting off the legend that Michael Jordan would become. And I know we talk about this all the time. Like People will be like, oh, 
uh, this guy scored uh, 55, something like that. It's like, well, yeah, but they lost. Michael Jordan lost in this game. But in the end, it just really solidified who this guy was going to be. Because I remember with buddies when Devin Booker scored 70 points against the Celtics and they lost. We would always ding him on that. Be like, well, yeah, but they lost. And maybe in the end, we might be wrong about that. That could be the star of Devin Booker's like origin story. I don't really know if, well, I don't think Devin Booker will get that high up, especially with, and again, I don't agree with this, but Devin Booker's going to have to get some hardware before even coming close to being compared to different legends. Because one, he's got to go through Kobe to get to Jordan. And there's plenty of people that he's got to go through to get to Kobe. So, Michael Jordan, 63 points. Larry Bird after the game said, that's not Michael Jordan, that's God disguised and disguised as Michael Jordan. And that was his sophomore season. Think about that. Your second year in the NBA, you're going up against the Celtics, which... It's argued that that 86 Celtics team is the best team ever. I don't really think so, but it's totally the conversation. The one thing that I think would put that team over top is if they had beaten the Lakers in the finals. Because in 86, that's when they just went up against the Rockets and they smacked them. But you're talking Dennis Johnson... Danny Ainge was really coming into form then. Larry Bird, Larry Legend, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish. And then they had they resurrected Bill Walton from essentially the dead. Like, his basketball career was nothing. He was just bounced from team to team. And they, they made it work. And if you want to go back and watch some of the most, like, fundamental basketball of in terms of just they move the ball around so much they work together so well you watch that team and you watch the Spurs even the Showtime Lakers you throw it in there but they had more of a fast pace thing now the six Celtics and that whole Celtics team at the same when Bird was there they could run them too I mean the Showtime Lakers they had all the flash and it's something that I'm, I'll, I'll probably talk about soon. And that's, uh, I mean, if you're going between Bird and Magic, who do you go with? And I think I know where I would stand just because, well, I mean, Larry Bird is literally my uh, wallpaper on my phone. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I don't know if you can really them one above the other because they're so important to the game. But um, anyway, this 63-point game, Michael Jordan really set himself apart in terms of younger players. Because you got to think about it, like, 86, I was, like, still when, like, people were, like, seriously considering, like, is Ralph Sampson the greatest thing in basketball? Which, if you go back and look at all the Sports Illustrated covers of Ralph Sampson, if you didn't know him better, you'd be like, oh, this is the greatest basketball player of all time. 
Because they had him like every week, essentially. <laughs> it was very weird to see. But yeah, this really separated Jordan. Set him on a path to essentially the moon to where he would never come down, really. And yeah, so that happened April 20th, 1986. Just unbelievable. And that's another game you can go back and watch, especially when Jordan does that. Uh, between the legs a couple times, goes around Larry and lays it up. He's something. Well, obviously, we all knew that. And other things that happened, we're moving on to April 21st, day I'm recording. Not a ton happened, although this one just really stuck out to me. Record set for fewest points by both teams in the first quarter of a playoff game with 25 in a game between the Raptors and the Pistons in 2002. This is in the first round. Final score ended up being 85-63 the first quarter. Let's see. First quarter ended up being 16-9 in favor of the Pistons. And this Pistons team... Wow, these uh, these teams are not that great. So on the Raptors, we had Antonio Davis, Jerome Williams, Alvin Williams, Morris Peterson, and Keon Clark. I, uh, yeah. And then off the bench, they had Akeem Olajuwon, who played 57 seconds in the first quarter. and went one for one, so shout out Akeem. Chris Childs and Del Curry. And Del Curry went 0 for 2. So they end up with nine points in that quarter. Alvin Williams led with three, Antonio Davis, Morris Peterson, and Hakeem tied with two. And then for the Pistons, you got Clifford Robinson, Ben Wallace, Jerry Stackhouse, Chucky Atkins, Michael Curry, Corliss Williamson coming off the bench along with Damon Jones and John Barry. Ben Wallace led the way with six. That is a uh, terrible first quarter. Well, let's see. Anything else on April 21st? I don't think so. Nope. Okay, we're moving on. April 22nd. There was something of significance in here, I think. There really wasn't? Oh, maybe it was the next day. All right. Um. Yeah, nothing really of significance. Um... Oh, here we go. Friday, April 22nd, 1988. Charles Oakley, Chicago Bulls, put on 35 rebounds in a loss to the Cavs. Charles Oakley was something else, man. When we talk about guys who were important in the overall career of Michael Jordan, like Char- him and Charles Oakley were tight. Like he was his enforcer. I mean, that's what that's who Oakley was. He was an enforcer. If you see him on the Knicks, just clobbering guys to make sure that no one was well, no one was going to hurt any of their main guys on the Knicks. Imagine what he did for Jordan. Just unbelievable. Charles Oakley ended up with 26 points, 35 rebounds. Him and Michael Jordan each had 26. And Michael Jordan played one more minute. That is just... Unbelievable. 35 rebounds, man. Yeah, but 
everyone talks about that. Jordan always needed a guy to rebound for him and be able to win. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, wouldn't everyone need someone to rebound? It's pretty tough to win if you can't have anyone rebounding for you. So, yeah, Oakley was something else, but I really understood that whole thing where people were like, yeah, I mean, Jordan, but Jordan couldn't get anything without a rebounder. Yeah, same with everyone. Everyone had a great center who could rebound. Charles Barkley was in the league back then. If you didn't have anyone who could box mount and rebound, you weren't getting the ball. Yeah, but Oakley's also said that he's very important because he was traded for Bill Cartwright, who really stepped things up because that was like the first time the Bulls would have a good center. But yeah, Charles Oakley, 35 rebounds. And this is one thing. Uh, we're going on to the 23rd. The only thing I wanted to talk about on this day was... Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers scored 50 points in a 118-115 win over the Oklahoma City Thunder. If you don't recognize the score and the team, I don't think you've been watching basketball, but this is the one where Damian Lillard sent Oklahoma City home in the playoffs with that insane step-back jumper from... It, it looks like it's... It doesn't look that far to the untrained eye, but... If you know, like, an NBA court, like, that's pretty far, and going backwards is insane, as Paul George is guarding him, who everyone was saying he was a defensive player of the year candidate that year. And, uh, yeah, just stone cold killed the Thunder. Ending, well, not really ending. It it didn't start it, but it... That just said that whole rivalry of Westbrook and Lillard on a whole other level. Because that whole series was very chippy between those guys. Like, there was one where Lillard stripped uh, Westbrook. He got it back. Westbrook falls to the ground. And um, after they call a whistle, like, Westbrook is, like, pushing him away. And Lillard's like, don't push me. And he pushes him, like, all the way to the ground. And it was... Just seeing Westbrook with the cradle and all that, calling everyone a baby. And I don't know if it's tough. Because I've been thinking about this for a while now. Is Russell Westbrook like a current day Isaiah Thomas? Not in the way they play at all. Like not in the way that they're playing. I'm saying the way they're perceived. Like, Isaiah Thomas was perceived as, like, as a bad guy. His whole crew, obviously, is on the bad boys. Wasn't part on the dream team because no one liked him. Does anyone like Russell Westbrook? Because he just seems like that guy where, like, no one would really get along with him. Um, He tried to team up with James Harden. That didn't work. He, he's just one of those guys... It's definitely a personality you have to get used to. But I I really do. I've been thinking about that. Is Westbrook a current day Isaiah Thomas? Just because of how they're perceived. Like, I don't. Russell Westbrook barely gets any media attention except for when he's sucking. Like, this year's a prime example. 
like Westbrook when he was in DC, no one really cares, even though he was he was pretty good in DC. I mean, we're not gonna lie. He got traded to LA for a reason. Then he starts sucking. Everyone's like, oh my God, why was he on the 75th anniversary team? It's like, well, you can't do that to him. I mean, he clearly deserved to be on the NBA 75 team. Just because he broke a 50-year record of Oscar Robertson for averaging a triple-double in a season. And which that's happened, well, I don't know, a few times in history. And they're going to knock him just because he can't hit a shot, which we knew he couldn't hit a shot. I mean, he's not the kind of point guard that you would want in today's game, but he's so strong and dominant that I don't think it really matters. But when you're with LeBron James and where is it where he's a very ball dominant guy and you can't shoot, yeah, guess what? Your shooting percentage is going to go down even more and your points per game is going to go down. And that's that whole team, the whole Lakers team has been a disappointment. It's like, I understand that. But if you look at all the circumstances, Russell Westbrook makes no sense on the Lakers. And this year, he averaged 18 and a half points per game. The only times that he's scored less is his first two seasons where he scored 15.3 and 16.1. And it all occurs, even when he's with Durant, who I don't want to say he's super ball dominant, but I mean, he he scores quite a lot. He's still averaging over 20 points a game. A couple years ago, he averaged 30. And that was the first year without KD. He scored, 30, he averaged 31, 10 assists. And 10.7 rebounds. There it is. That's the triple-double year. That was his MVP. Or did he win MVP that year? Or was that West? Or was that Harden who won MVP that year? Oh, um, okay, it was Russ. Because I know that there was people like, there was like a debate over, man, is it, is it Westbrook or Harden? People were like, what are you talking about? Harden just broke a 50-year record. Shut up. Yeah, but it's it's just funny to me how people are just bashing Westbrook, and I get it. Like, Westbrook is not a very likable person, and he was saying that he wasn't given a chance this year, which, by the way, I'd probably agree with because for the exact same reason. You're playing with LeBron James, a guy who demands the ball at all times. I mean, he deserves to demand the ball. It's LeBron James. He can do whatever he wants with it. But a point guard with LeBron James has never really worked outside of Kyrie Irving. And I think it only worked like that just because Kyrie is so creative and he finds people more. Westbrook will just drive in, slam it, and that's it. If Westbrook doesn't have like that great of a center, he's not really going to find that guy. So, we were talking about the... uh, Damon Lillard, Russell Westbrook, um, beef. It's one of the more insane things that you will see, though. I watched a video a couple days ago where it's not really the best representation of it because I was like, I was thinking, like, man, that was 
I remember it was all over the place. People were saying like Westbrook doing the baby and all that. When <laughs> there's this video, I think it was Bleacher Reporter House Highlights. Um, they released this video and it's like Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook beef. And it's just, half of them is Damian Lillard scoring on someone. And when he's not being guarded by Russell Westbrook, <laughs> I'm like, that's the literal opposite of a beef right there. When Westbrook didn't even, wasn't even guarding him and Lillard would score. Not yet. You got to throw your best defender on him, but don't show those plays. And Lillard was defending Westbrook. Because, like, that year, Lillard was just the team. It was him and McCollum and this, not a lot else. Anyway, so Lillard hits this amazing shot for his 50th point. And it's, like, one of the few times there's been a buzzer beater in the playoffs to win a series. And I think a couple of them have been by Damian Lillard. But the other one, another one that happened in this same year, was Kawhi's um, shot in Game 7 against 76ers when it bounced around the rim 800 times. Now, I think that's the only one to ever be a, a buzzer beater in Game 7. I think that's the only one. I could be wrong in that. But it, if it was, it was the first one in a very long time. And then just Lillard hits a shot, and the first thing he does, like the like a second after he hits it, he turns around, finds Westbrook in the Oklahoma City bench, and waves them goodbye. And I'm like, where do you, how do you guys come up with this? Because if I had a shot like that, I wouldn't know what to do. But they think it out. And they're like, oh, man. Like, immediately, boom, perfect. I'm, I'm going to wave at him. See ya. And that shot kind of destroyed the whole Thunder franchise, at least for that moment. Paul George left after that. Well, Paul George re-signed and then got traded the same year, which was bonkers to me. I still don't understand that. Because he was like, uh, or maybe it was the year before he had signed. I can't even find him on this. Oh, that's because that's the wrong year. Let me go to 1819. Top 14, 15. Basketball reference. Fix the website. Please. I'm tired of all these ads moving me down. It always happens as soon as I'm about to click something. I'm on to you, basketball reference. I am on to you. I know what you're trying to do. Anyway, Paul George. If we go down to transactions in basketball reference. So. On. All right, July 6th. No, this he signed an extension at some point where they had that whole party. And Russell Westbrook threw a party for him re-signing. And he was like, I'm here to stay. He signed an extension, and then he got traded. And that was that trade. A million picks. We still don't. I mean, I think in the end, Oklahoma City will win it. But we're just so far down the line that time will only tell us. And then Westbrook gets traded for Chris Paul later that summer. And that was the end of the Thunder era as we knew it back in the day to where it was 
Harden, KD, Russ, Harden, uh, they're not able, well, not able, they don't want to pay luxury tax on them. So it says KD, Russ, KD leaves, then it's Russ, then it's gone. Then, yeah, that was it. Because they'd already traded Serge Ibaka. This is going to sound ridiculous, but Nick Collison <laughs> retired. He was so integral to that team. He was just, he was with the franchise his whole career. You can't just not talk about him. It's like talking about the Heat and not mentioning Udonis Haslam. But, yeah. So that beef was very interesting. 118-115 was the final score in that one. Uh, the f- It's kind of funny, but also, like, you, I get it. They're in the press conference after the game. And Paul George goes, I mean, that's a bad shot. And, like, really, when you think about it, it it's, like, probably the worst shot. You could take a fadeaway three-pointer from, like, I don't even know how many feet it was, but it was insane. It was, like, way beyond the three-point line. Like, a lot of people, some coaches won't even want you to take a three to win a game. But it's like, no, 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 you'll just do a step back three. You got it. Like, I don't even know how you – I mean, you got to have huge, you got you to have a lot of uh, talent to do that. And, I mean, Dame, Dame's one of those guys, and he's been someone where you're wondering if he's going to leave soon. I don't know. I think he would want to. I just don't think that he wants to disappoint Portland. And it's completely fair. I mean, guys who are loyal like that, you don't get that anymore. The last guys to do it was Dirk, Kobe, Timmy D. Those were it. You can kind of count Dwayne Wade. Because, well, not really because he left in free agency to go to Chicago. So if you get traded, there's nothing you can do. But people, I mean, Wade finished with Miami, but he was, again, traded to Miami. So Timmy D, Kobe, Dirk, and I mean, Kobe, you could kind of throw in there. I mean, he requested a trade, but they straight up told him, yeah, you're not getting traded from here. It's like, you can leave all you want. But um, luckily, they got Pau Gasol. So, man, if he wants to be loyal, that's great. But I want to see Dame win. That's just, he's like one of my favorite guys. For I think this shot is the main reason. But, like, when you look at his shot, it's so smooth, and it's just, He's just so good. Yeah, so that happened April 23rd, 2019. And I believe with that, I think that will be it for this week's episode. Um, Sorry for missing last week. I uh, had to leave. I mean, we had a good Friday off. I was getting ready to leave on that Thursday, and I was like, yeah, I, I don't, I won't record. So apologize for that. Um, probably going to get one more episode before school year, maybe two. I don't know about finals week because my last day is on that Thursday. So we'll see. We'll figure it all out. But, um, yeah, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you for listening. Um, yeah, just be sure to follow me on Twitter at DEverhard00, and we will talk to you next week. Peace.
Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.